Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Welcome. I almost said good morning. Brutal. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you got four kids. I don't even know what time it is. I don't even know what day it is. You're lucky I even showed up today. Good Lord. But uh, so good to be here. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor of our West Shore campus out in Langford, the best metropolis in the world. Wow. And uh, super happy to be here with you guys. Love what God is doing here. And uh, love that, that you're here. You know, one of my favorite aspects of Christianity is this idea that, that God is actually real, right? Isn't that awesome? And, and if you think about it like this, like you could be anywhere in the world, and, and, and right now, in this very moment, like specifically today, right now, you find yourself here. Now, some of you, you may come here all the time, and so this is like normal, and so it's like, oh, of course I'm going to be here at 6.30 on a Sunday, but some of you, this might be your first time ever in church, and and your first time with us, and so either way, super, super cool, because this this is what I have to say to you. Maybe, just maybe, God today wants to speak to you in a new way. Like, maybe, just maybe, you can leave here different than the way that you came in. Maybe, just maybe, it's not just by routine that you find yourself here, or not just some kind of fluke, or just some kind of accident, but there's some intentionality, not just from you and like your homies, but some intentionality from God, where God's like, you know what? I want you here tonight. And so so you're in a great spot. I accidentally turned my computer off, I'm gonna turn it back on. There we go, so cool, so cool. We're in the middle of a series. And, and, and it's called, what is it called? It's called, called for, for the King. And, and it's a really great series. It's really impacting my life. And, and, uh, but, but this is what's fascinating about it. In this particular series, what we're doing is we're looking at the gifts that the wise men and the magi, they brought to, brought to Jesus. And, and, and if you're familiar with the Christmas story at all in any sort of way, you know that those three gifts were super weird. Like, you don't just show up at anybody's baby shower showing up with gold. Now, that actually would be awesome. A little bit of a flex, but, uh, but, but, uh, but you can give a baby gold, totally. If uh, you gave a baby um, myrrh, myrrh, we learned last week, is like an embalming ointment, right? And so that would be super creepy. Like, you're a psychopath if you give a kid that type of gift. But, but the magi, they did it. And they did it with intentionality, Because these gifts weren't just like random gifts. Like, oh no, we're going to see Jesus. What do we got in the treasure? You got gold? You got embalming ointment? Great, let's give that to the kid. There was intentionality there. And so so he gives, these these wise men, they, they give Jesus this myrrh. Because it signifies, it's a prophetic gift. And it speaks to Jesus' suffering, Jesus' eventual death. It speaks to who they were hoping Jesus would be. They're really powerful. Then we get to frankincense. 
Not to be confused with Frankenstein, although that would be a really awesome gift to give to a child. <laughs> here's some gold, here's some embalming oil, and Frankenstein. <laughs> and uh, it would be so awesome. Uh, but, but frankincense. And, and tonight we're going to talk about frankincense. Because frankincense is a, a symbol of prayer. And it's significant because it aligned with the Magi's hopes. It, it aligned with the, the wise men's hopes that Jesus would be the, the, the great priest and that he would be able to heal the divide between God and man. That was their hope. And I love it because it's their hope. They weren't, they weren't 100% convinced that Jesus was Jesus. Like they were hopeful. And that's what we come to realize is so the story of our Christian faith. Is sometimes you just need to put hope in the gap. Put a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust, a little bit of unknown, a little bit of a stretch. Take a risk. Knock on a, baby, knock, knock on a, on a door and say, hey, I brought some gifts for your child. Here's some embalming ointment. I'm not a psychopath. I'm a priest. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite verses uh, when it comes to the, the Christmas story is found in Isaiah. And uh, if you brought your Bible, this is a good one to underline and to highlight. If you've been a Christian for any deal of time, you probably know it by heart. I don't even need to preach this. We can all go home. But I want to read it for you. Because this particular phrase unlocks something about Jesus. It speaks, it speaks so much depth in terms of who he is. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now that seems so simple, but it's so extraordinarily profound because it speaks to, to who Jesus is. And that's the problem in our society today. We don't really know who Jesus is. Not just outside the church, but inside the church. And oftentimes what happens is we, we worship, but if we're honest, we're like, what does that even mean? Are we just singing songs? Are we just raising our hands because they did? Are we just raising our hands because that's what we've been taught to do? Like, what are, what are we doing here? And this idea of God being with us. Like God with us means, means perfection has arrived to save mankind. What a picture that is. The idea that Jesus would come in the role of a perfect priest is fascinating and a very eye-opening concept. Because a priest's responsibility, like what a priest does, is they, they bring people to God. This is to say, like, like just think about this for a moment. God actually loves you so much. Now, I, I know that's a given, and you, you know that. Like we know that we're supposed to believe that. But consider this this evening. The Christmas story is an action story. The Christmas story is the story of God sending himself to bring you to himself. What are you talking about? God's not distant and removed. And sometimes that's what happens in our minds. We tell ourselves, God, where are you? I don't, I don't feel you right now, so therefore you, you probably don't exist. 
Or God, God, what's going on? I don't understand what you're doing right now. And so, so I feel like you're very distant. See, God is not far and distant and removed. Rather, he's actively and intentionally pursuing you with everything that he's got. Pursuing humanity with all of who he is. That he sent himself to bring people to himself. It's a pretty powerful concept. Pastor Andy shared with me a, just a fascinating just article the other day. And it was talking about these, these four different views, the four dominant views of God that exists within the Christian world. So this isn't like people who don't go to church. This is like within this, within this room, right? If we were to poll everybody in this room, we would all likely fall into one of these four categories. The first view is that God is an authoritative God. In fact, who really knows where stats come from these days? They just, we just throw stats in there to make us look smart. We don't know what they actually mean. But it's just 31% of us, however they got that number. 31% of us believe that God is both engaged in the world and judgmental. Meaning he'll use any way that he can to get your attention. If, if, if this is how you see God, you see God as this authoritative God, you likely think God sounds a little bit like this. Adam, or Adam, or Adam. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, just, but, 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 but you would assume he sounds like this. Adam, you're, you're acting like a moron right now. This is why people roll your, their eyes at you. Knock it off. Or, or you're going to suffer the consequences. You got this. And you can fill in your name. You can change the, the, change the sin, change the situation, change the story. But, but you have this view of God where he's, he's looking at you and telling you what to do and what not to do. Then there's some of us who have this view of God as being a benevolent God. 24% of us, apparently. And the benevolent God, if you see him as that, what happens is you believe God is engaged in your life, yet not judgmental. And so you think God sounds a little bit like this. Adam, you're acting like a moron again. But that's cool, bro. That's cool. Other people act like morons too. It takes one to know one. And that's it. And so we have this view of God where he's, he's, he's engaged, but he's not, not judgmental. Some of us, we have a view of God being kind of the opposite. And we see God as, as critical. He, he, he nitpicks everything that we do. It's almost as though he's judgmental, and, but, 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 but he's disengaged from reality. And he sounds like this. Adam, you're acting like a moron again. What's wrong with you? You know better. Look at everyone else. They can pull themselves together. They can, they, they, they can do it. What's wrong with you? Why can't you do it? And some of us have this view of God where he's, he's looking at you just, just critically all the time. You can't match up because you just feel like God just always in this judgment mode. And then, and then some of us, there's this, there's this sector of us, apparently 24% of us, that see God as non-judgmental, but also disengaged. And so for you, God is actually like distant He's a distant God. 
And for you, he sounds like this. Adam, come on. You're acting like a moron again. You got to sort this out on your own, though, bud. I'm too busy helping other people. I'm helping other people who got it worse than you. And so you're going to have to figure this out. And we, we sit there and we're trying to figure out how we do this whole Christian thing. And the problem with these four perspectives is that they're incomplete. And most of our views of God actually don't instill any measure, any level of confidence inside of who we are. In other words, the very concept of God for most people carries a stigma with it. And that stigma is that God is a God of control. He's distant or aloof or at worst incompetent. Friends, no, no wonder your prayer life feels unhelpful if that's how you see God. And you sit and you pray. But there's part of you that's kind of like, well, why should I even pray? God doesn't care. God's just mean anyways. No wonder you read your Bible and see it as uh, irrelevant. Because you look at our world and our society and culture where it's at, and you think to yourself, how do I reconcile these two things? God's angry. No wonder going to church feels like a chore for some of us. Because what happens is we, 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 we come here and we, we like the community that we have, but if we're honest in our heart of hearts, we're not super into the God that we serve. I mean, we love him. We don't really like him sometimes. I'll word it this way. Oh gosh, what was that? I'll word it this way. If the God you worship is controlling, and if the God you worship is distant, and if the God you worship is incompetent, no wonder it's no wonder that your Christianity seems so discouraging at times. So let's look at the Christmas story together, okay? Because I really believe that tonight God wants to reframe how you see him. Because subtly, with time, we can get hurt, we can get jaded, we can get confused. Culture can impact the way we see God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. So here's the Christmas story. This is how the, the wise men enter into the, the Christmas story. It says this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts, with gold, and Pastor Lucas is going to talk about that next week. With frankincense and with myrrh. Frankincense is a unusual but, but, but so fitting gift to give to a baby. Well, more Jesus. If you give them to your baby, it would be weird. But to Jesus, it was really good. Because frankincense was used in temple worship. It has this... 
amazing aroma. And it was given to Jesus to, to, to honor his priestly role. A, a, a beautiful definition of the word priest. Like a, like a wonderful metaphor that's helpful, a useful way to look at the word priest is when you think of the word priest, think of the word bridge maker. A priest is a man who builds a bridge between men and God. And that's who Jesus is. And this is what the wise men were trying to communicate with this gift of frankincense. I live, I live in the West Shore, West Shore, Best Shore, no big deal. But, but I live right beside Thetis Lake. And, and behind our house, there's just trails everywhere. And, and so oftentimes, if I'm trying to connect with God, I, I go to nature. And if I'm trying to escape my four children, I go to nature. And uh, either way, I, I find myself walking these trails often. And uh, there was this moment a few years ago when we first moved into the house and I was exploring these trails. Um, I would walk down deer trails just to see where they would take me. And, and, and I found myself at this creek. And I had no idea the creek was there. I, I heard the creek as I was walking, but I, I had no map that showed me that there was a creek. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, I'm standing at the water's edge. It's, it's too far for me to jump. And, and it's too deep for me to walk through. I'll get wet. And it was, it was cold outside. And so I, I was faced with this decision. I could either jump in and get wet, which is awful. No one's going to do that. Or I could turn around and walk back to where it was like the, the, the random deer trail that I was walking down to get back. And I sat there. And I looked around. And I thought, well, let's just let's keep exploring. And so I walked along the river, bent. And as I went around this corner, I saw that somebody, a tree had fallen across the water, and somebody had taken some two-by-fours way out into the middle of the woods and built this bridge off this fallen log that went across the creek. And, and all of a sudden, I could walk from one side of the creek to the other side of the creek because at some point in time, there was a bridge maker who made a bridge. And that bridge maker is Jesus. Jesus didn't make the bridge by Thetis. That'd be cool. But he makes the bridge between God and us. And it's important that we see Jesus in that manner. He's the bridge maker. In the Old Testament, the, 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 the high priest, this is, this is how it worked in the Old Testament. The high priest, he would go into the presence of God once a year. And he would make atonement for himself and for the people. People were always at a distance. So you couldn't just go into the presence of God. You needed this priest who would go on your behalf. And you wouldn't really even want to go. Because God seemed dangerous. He was kind of terrifying. He was scary. He seemed unapproachable. He seemed angry. And today, today people are confused still when it comes to God. And more often than not, we fall into this trap. This trap that says, God is always mad at me. And friends, that's such an awful way to live. You don't have to live like that. But what happens in life is, is somehow, for one reason or another, that becomes our assumption. 
Why do you think that is? Where does that belief come from? For some of us, it might be, maybe it's all tied back to a parent. And you had a mom or a dad who was just so difficult to please. And so you have this kind of default setting where you just assume you're always in the wrong and the the person in authority is always mad. The church hasn't helped us in this regard. Because sometimes the church, preachers especially, charismatic ones, really, really good at this. Where we love to communicate that God is real. So you got to turn to him. And maybe it's the church that has inadvertently somewhere along the line painted this picture for you that God is mad at you. And somehow, somewhere along the way, you got stuck in this loop. God will never, ever, ever accept me the way I am. And that's such a scary place to live. You have this problem with grace. It seems too good to be true. You, you, you can't accept it. Because we're used to Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus, what he does is he, he makes a list and checks it twice. Santa Claus, what he does is he, he, he separates the children, um, the good ones over here and the bad ones over here. And, and the good ones get a reward. The good ones are accepted. The good ones are good. The bad ones, they get coal. The bad ones are separated. The bad ones, there's a line drawn in the sand. And some of you, you got your theology about Jesus from Santa. It's not how Jesus works. Jesus doesn't just separate the good ones from the bad ones. Some of you, you, you feel as though God is mad at you because, because you're, you're kind of stuck in this loop and, and, and you're stuck saying to yourself, I'm just not good enough. I should do this. I ought to do that. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. God couldn't possibly ever forgive me. If he only knew what I've done, friends, he does know what you've done. If he only knew what I keep doing, friends, he does know what you keep doing. Or maybe worse, sometimes. And I remember a point in my life where this is what I believe too. That when something bad happened to me, uh, immediately I drew this connection to, oh, God's punishing me. <laughs> oh, the reason why it's raining today is because I swore yesterday. <laughs> Oh, the reason why people are mad at me or the reason why I'm not doing well at this or the reason why this person got sick is that if we have this like sick idea that God actually is in heaven and that's how he functions, that if you're not perfect, God's gonna ruin your life. That's not how God works. And nobody would actually articulate it that way until you're really hurting. And when you're really hurting, Even the craziest thoughts seem plausible. That's why community is so important. That's why isolation can be so dangerous. That's why COVID really hammered us as a church. Because all of a sudden we had so many people hurting, trying to figure out how to do life, and we couldn't connect. And so we tried to figure it out on our own and searched everything we could on the internet. And the internet is full of idiots. 
There's like really funny memes on the internet though that are really great. That's the other problem. We get our theology from memes. How did that happen? Listen to me, please. If you hear anything that I say tonight, God isn't mad at you. God isn't mad at you. God is not angry with who you are. He wants to spend eternity with you. Like, ask yourself, would, would you want to live forever with somebody that you're mad at? <laughs> I don't want to drive in the car with my wife when she's mad at me. <laughs> Just kidding, she's never mad at me. I'm always good. But would you ever want to live forever with someone you're mad at? I don't think God does either. He's not mad at you. You see, this, this old way of thinking doesn't work. And so, so the Bible promises us a, a new way. This is why Jesus is so important. This is why Christmas super, super matters. Jeremiah chapter 31 says these words. Verse 33 and 34. This is written before Jesus came, okay? The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. This is the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it in on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. There's, there's a promise in there, friends. And the promise is that God will come himself so that all can know him. Jesus will come in the form of a baby in a manger and what we call the Christmas story, but what God calls his rescue plan for humanity. The Magi saw Jesus as the perfect priest. The, the, these wise men, they saw Jesus as the bridge maker. Because that's, that's who he is. This, this, this promise, the Magi, they, 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 they hear this promise, they know this promise, and so they bring this gift of frankincense to Jesus because they are seeing that promise in Jeremiah fulfilled in this little baby. Listen to this statement. Jesus can bring together man and God because he is man and God. Jesus is God with us. He's the, the, the perfect priest. Listen to Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And I love that about God. 
Because God loves you so much. He wanted to be able to relate to you. When you feel sorrow, he felt sorrow too. When you feel angry, he felt anger too. When you feel um, lost, he felt this sense of abandonment as well. He can relate to us. But he never sinned. Verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is perfectly divine and fully human. He built the perfect bridge. He made it possible for, for man, for you and for me, for humans, to enter into God's presence. It's no longer once a year. But we now have full access to Jesus and who he is. It's extraordinary. The, the, the old way to atone for sins, the old way to make things right before God was to literally sacrifice animals. And Jesus comes, he's like, no, 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 I'll tell you what, I will be the sacrifice for everybody. The Christmas story is sewn together with the Easter story. You can't separate the two. It's the, it's the, it's they're, 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 they're connected. And what Jesus is saying is like, I will be that perfect sacrifice for all. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. You see, friends, because, because Jesus is the perfect priest, he leads us to a perfect place. Your, your past doesn't have to be your future. With Jesus, it speaks to this idea that the, the, the rest of your life is going to be the best of your life. He offers abundant living. John 10.10, 10, I love it. It's one of my favorite scripture verses. Because it paints this picture of, of, of how, how God actually works. It says, on the one hand, the thief, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, this is Jesus talking. My purpose is to give people, to give them a rich and satisfying life. Not rich in terms of money. That would be awesome. But that's not how it works. It's not how it works at all rich in terms of meaning, a rich life in terms of substance, in terms of purpose. There's a difference between being alive and, and living, you know. And what, what he's saying here is you can, you can have fullness to who you are. Because God isn't this angry God tisking his finger at you all the time. He's this powerful, almighty creator God who, who, who walks with you everywhere that you go. He's prepared a place in heaven for you. This perfect priest leads us to a perfect place. But he also, he also provides perfect peace. And this is essential for us to grasp, especially this time of year. This time of year, is, it's, it's so chaotic. Going from thing to thing, thing to thing, thing to thing, exams. It's, it's, it's a busy time. 
Jesus, he provides perfect peace. He never stops loving you. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And sometimes we think like that's all God does. Like God is in heaven looking at us be like, oh my goodness, again, the F word, notch. Oh my goodness, impatient, again. An extra McDouble, gluttony, boom. Like, 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 like we get this idea that God's just like, boom, boom, list, 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 list. That's not Jesus' purpose. Just to keep tabs on you. <laughs> so that way you can talk to his angel friends. See those losers in Victoria? Oh my gosh. They care about weird things. Well, that sounded like Jim Gaffigan. That was my, I didn't even try. Wow. Okay, go. Moving on. Losing you. Number three, he gives us perfect purpose. So uh, he gives us access to a perfect place, right? And this new, new posture with God. He gives us a peace. If your Christianity is missing peace, think about that. Because it's not supposed to work that way. It's, it's, it's entirely possible. And, and I'm going to be honest. Like, like sometimes in my own life, I'm like, gosh, I, could feel, I would love to feel peace right now. But I don't. Why is that? It's not because God stepped back and be like, figure it out, son. Usually what happens is I've said, don't worry, Jesus, I got this. I got this on my own. I'm gonna try and figure it out and I fall on my face. We often, those seasons where we're not feeling peace are those seasons where we have pulled back from God, not that God has pulled back from us. But he gives us this perfect purpose. 2 Corinthians 5.19, the later part of that verse. It says, And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Like, like to be a Christian doesn't just mean, oh, great, now I'm going to heaven. That's all I need to do. Boom. It doesn't mean like, oh, great, now I'll just come to church every Sunday and go home. And maybe the climax of my Christian career would be singing worship on a Sunday. That would be so great. Like, there's more to life than that. And so, so what, what he's saying here is he's speaking to this idea that we have this role as Christ's ambassadors. It is to, to, to be a Christian, we have this role in, in helping move this, this, this church forward. We're rescued, not just for rescued's sake, but Jesus rescues you so that you can be a rescuer. You are part of his rescue plan for your friends, for your family members, for your neighbors. He created you for a purpose. Now, 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 practically speaking, if you're scratching your head, thinking to yourself, well, what on earth is my purpose then, Pastor? One of the, one of the ways that God reveals his purpose to us, I, I, I believe it's actually through our, our, our talents and our gifts. I mean, think about it. We don't often spiritualize those. We just tell ourselves, I am really good at Pokemon cards. At least that's what my kids say right now. <laughs> that's Benson's spiritual gift. Pokemon, wow, I'm raising world changers. Um, but we often separate our talents and our gifts from something that God's woven inside of us. 
And we say, well, come on, Adam. Like, obviously, I'm good at the piano because when I was five, my mom put me in piano lessons and I studied every day and I played every day and I did everything and I did it all. It's true, you did it all. But what if God set that up? What if God, when he was designing you, wove together your, your, your passions and your interests what if your relationship with God is not just about reconciling your, your, your heart with him, but also your, your talents with him, your, your skill sets with him, your dreams with him, your relationships with him, your, your hobbies with him, your pastimes with him. You see, when you look at your life more holistically, all of a sudden it's like, wow, God, you're not a million miles away. Father, you're right here. And so it may very well be that your, your, your skills are basketball. Use it. It could be worship or music. Use it. Maybe you're just a really great host. Like you're good with people and you love having people over to your house. Try being a small group leader. Tie those things together. Maybe you love working with kids. Maybe, maybe finding a place in the church to serve in kids' ministry or youth. You just have this knack. For some reason, like teens gravitate to you. Well, maybe, maybe God is doing something there. I challenge you to use your abilities to bring God glory. You want to see God move, do cool things in your life? Take those mundane things that you've taken for granted, give them to God, and watch what he can do. Because of Jesus, we have a perfect place. Because of this baby in a manger, we can actually have a perfect peace. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. And we can also have a perfect purpose. Everyone in this room has a purpose. God didn't just make an extra version of you because he was like so good at making humans. He's like, I don't even need all these ones. I'll make some extras. <laughs> Like God, God made you because he knew that in 2022, there's going to be people that will only hear about God from a person like you. I, I realize that what I'm about to say might sound marginally offensive. But you need to hear this. Good works, good attitudes, and good vibes don't get people closer to God. And so some of you, you guys have been volunteering like crazy. And you serve, 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 serve. Volunteer, 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 volunteer. You're helping in the church. You're helping with Habitat for Humanity. You're helping out at school. You're helping out at home. And you are working yourself to the bone. Lord, do you even care? Right? He cares, but that's not the bridge to God. And we know that. Oh man, do we ever forget that. Good attitudes. Some of you, what happens is, is you, you've, you've focused so hard on being happy all the time, and being full of joy, and being, being positive. When on the inside, you're dying inside. You know, Jesus got angry sometimes. So give yourself permission to get angry. And to feel those emotions. 
Jesus felt sad sometimes. You're not a bad Christian if you feel sad. Jesus felt sorrow, grief, abandonment. I mentioned that earlier. You are not a bad Christian if you feel grief, sorrow, alone, abandonment. Jesus felt all these things too. But somewhere along the lines, what's happened is we've, we, we've told ourselves, well, I have to have a really good attitude at all the times. So that way I can trick God into thinking I'm a better Christian than I actually am. Again, we don't say that. But we do that for some reason. Good vibes. We just say, well, if I'm just generally a good person, I can fit in, I, I can build good friends, I can build community, I can feel connected to all the people. I got the vibes. But the truth is, there's this disconnect between you and God. Because being a Christian is not about being slick. And being a Christian is not about like having it all together. There's only one bridge to God. And that bridge was born in a manger. It's a mountain we, we, we could never climb on our own. But Jesus came down. And this is why the Christmas story is so special. Jesus came as a baby in a manger so that we would be naturally drawn to him. No more, no more fear. No more, no more this angry God who's, who's upset with me. No more this, this, this distant God who's aloof and distracted and busy helping other people. I, I, I picture Mary that night as these magis came in carrying this big giant treasure case full of stuff. I picture Mary holding baby Jesus in her arms. Saying things like, Touch him. Hold him. Hear his cry. See his vulnerability. This is God building a bridge for you. There's a, a poem that uh, Pastor Andy showed me the other day. And I want to read a piece of it for you. It's the part of the Advent monologue. I've been just hooked on poetry lately. More so words. I've been hooked on words. There's this beautiful way. It's, it, it's how we communicate. And, and, and yes, words are so helpful. And I want you to hear these words. I'll make the woman. I'll make the woman herself adore. However, could she be afraid of something lowly underneath her ribs? I'll, I'll be the baby working in the womb. And then when I come, my voice will be so dear to her. It shall call the tenderness out of her soul and the loveliness out of her face. It speaks to this idea that, that God comes in a very gentle, 
in a very understanding manner. The church, we've, we've messed it up. Like, if you think of, like, the global impact of the church, lots of good things have happened through the church. We know that. But we have messed it up big time in some areas, for sure. You look at our history, the Crusades, residential schools, the way the church has handled, mishandled, rather, our LGBTQ community. It's dare I say, it, it, it's been with the best intentions. But man, have we blown it. It's not how God works, I promise you. The church is a, a man-made system. God's idea. You can't throw away the church. It's, it's God's plan. Like God wants the church. God uses the church. God loves the church. But God has trusted the church. And because it's man-made. Man, do we ever get in the way sometimes. So if the church has been responsible for, for creating a divide between you and God, you are in the right place at the right time tonight, I promise you. Can I ask everyone just to bow their heads for a moment? Let's, let's close our eyes together. And I'm doing this just because I, I, I just care about you too much. And, and I realize, look, my words are, are not all that important. It, it, it's who God is. It's God's words tonight that he's going to speak to you that I want you to hear. And so do your best, please. Do your best to forget the person sitting beside you. And imagine you're sitting in a room, just you and Jesus, just for a moment. The priest's role, Jesus' role, is to bring the people to God. So let Jesus draw you today, right from the pew where you're sitting. If you're a follower of Jesus already, and if you're thinking to yourself this evening, God will never accept me like I am. Or you're thinking to yourself, I'm just not doing enough. God's got me mad. Or if you're thinking to yourself, there's no way God could ever forgive me. God knows your browser history, by the way. If you're sitting here tonight saying, man, God is mad at me. I'm sure he wants to punish me. He wants to, he, he's just upset. Can I encourage you? Let Jesus be your perfect priest tonight. Let him, let him hold you in his arms. The prodigal son, when he came back to the father, his life wasn't all figured out in that moment. The father wrapped his arms around him and welcomed him home. If you're here tonight and God seems distant, aloof to you, 
In fact, you're, you're not really sure about your relationship with God, where you stand. Let Jesus be your perfect priest today. Invite him into your life. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us, but not just God with me, not not just God with them, but he's God with you. And during worship, God brought this little, little piece of something I wrote to mind, I want to read it for you. It speaks to this idea of this inner wrestle that we all have at times. What if it's wrong? But what if it's right? What if it's dark? But what if it's light? What if it's bad though? And what if it's good? What if there's something that I've misunderstood? What if it's black? But what if it's white? Well, what if you're blind and you think you have sight? What if the answer is layered and gray? What if the answer is ask God and pray? If that is the answer, then the answer is profound. Because all of a sudden, the lost can be found. Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. You know us better than we know us. And what's so miraculous about that thought is that 2,000 years ago, you came as the bridge maker to help us have a bridge between our world now and you. So Father, if there's anything in the way, be it a misunderstanding, be it a hurt, be it a habit, or be it a sin, Lord, we commit to lay that down before you tonight. And this Christmas season, God, we ask you to be our bridge maker. We ask you to be our perfect priest. Help us, God, to see ourselves the way you see us. In your name we pray, amen.